Let's pray. Father, thank you once again for this morning. Thank you for the fellowship of the saints that we're able to gather together in the name of our champion Savior, the Lord Jesus Christ, gathered not only in this place physically, but around the world, around the globe with other men and women and boys and girls who love the Redeemer because of the perfect redemption that we have in Him. And we're thankful that we not only join uh, with those around the world, we're thankful that we're also tied to all of those who've gone before us and will come after us. Blood bought, purchased by the perfect redemption of the Lamb. Indeed, He's worthy of our praise. In Jesus' name, amen. So the most important question, or one of the most important questions we could ever ask and answer would be this. Is salvation... Is eternal life gained, in other words, is eternal life gained by grace alone, through faith alone, in the finished work of Jesus Christ alone, or is it by grace through faith in Christ plus something that I need to do to earn eternal life? That is the eternal question. It's a critical question. It's a huge question. And it's what we're going to be talking about today when we look at the 15th chapter of the book of Acts. And so if you want to find the 15th chapter of the book of Acts, it's really what's at stake. Uh, The answer to that question, by the way, is salvation is of the Lord. It is by grace alone, through faith alone, on on account of the finished work of Christ alone. But it's just like our pesky, sinful human hearts and imaginations I think by by nature of being fallen, we're glory grubbers. We want to get our hands on some of the glory. So if it's by faith, grace, through faith in Christ, plus me, then the glory doesn't belong to God alone. It's in part my honor and my glory, and it's sinful and blasphemous, but it's 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 our bent. It's where we tend to go. Um, it's, it was a problem in the first century. It was a problem before the first century. It's a problem today. If you've been on social media this last week, even in evangelicalism, even in supposed reformed evangelicalism, it's the hottest topic around is salvation by grace alone through faith alone on account of the finished work of Christ alone. Or is it by my in part faithfulness, which is an entirely different issue. It is alive and well. It's one of the most important things we could even think about today. Um, if you're still looking for Acts 15, I'm going to give you a little bit more time. Uh, if you're not, awesome. May the Lord bless you too. We're celebrating the Lord's Supper today. I mean, let's just think about the basic Christian ordinances. Um, baptism and the Lord's Supper. These things that are sacred to us because it's not, baptism is not an ordinary bath or washing. It's sacred. It's special. Uh, the Lord's Supper is not an ordinary meal. It's not, a, it's not like lunch. It's eating and drinking in a special sacred kind of way based upon what Jesus said. But both of these word pictures speak loudly about this reality. We eat and drink according to what Jesus said in remembrance of us. No, we don't do that, do we? We eat and drink in remembrance of Jesus said me. His work is sufficient. We're eating and drinking, remembering what He's done for us as our great substitute because He gave His flesh, right? Because He shed His blood. Salvation is of the Lord. And so even if you just stop and think, is it by 
faith plus my faithfulness. No, we remember what he has done. He's the faithful one. Baptism is the same way. When you are baptized, you are saying, this is what Jesus did for me. He died, he was raised, and I'm trusting in him as my perfect life and my perfect resurrection. And so I'm showing you that I'm believing in him. And I'm showing myself. And we're showing it to others that that salvation is of the Lord. It's his resurrection. It's his death, not ours. And so let's not make this too complicated. Let's have strong, clear convictions so that we're not false teachers or we're misled. Salvation is of the Lord. It is by grace alone, through faith alone, on account of the work of Christ alone, for the glory of God alone. I feel like we should close in prayer already. But we have 40-some verses because we have to review Acts 15 and then we have to do new stuff. So let's really amp up the spiritual... Caffeine resource, if need be, and let's go ahead and see what's going on in Acts 15, verse 1. But some men came down from Judea, the land of the Jews, and they're coming to Antioch, and were teaching the brothers. This is critical, don't miss this. Unless you are circumcised according to the custom of Moses, you cannot be saved. Unless you do something extra yourself by obedience, unless you do something extra yourself as in some sort of faithfulness, you can't have eternal life. You can't be saved. Those are, that, that's a huge big issue. That's a huge problem. It is a massive problem. And verse 2 is response. Look there. And after Paul and Barnabas had no small dissension, heated words, and debate, quarrelsome kinds of words with them. So notice it's conflict kind of in action here. So they had no small debate, no small argumentation with them. It goes on to say, Paul and Barnabas and some of the others were appointed to go to Jerusalem to the apostles and the elders about this question. So, first of all, it's clear, you know what? We're not saying the same things. What you guys are saying, and and it's not a secondary issue. It's not a thirdary issue or tertiary, okay? Uh, the, the, these are these are not in-house debates, and you know what? We have to agree to disagree. We're going to see that at the, uh, over something else at the end of Acts 15, but it's a gospel issue. It's a first importance kinds of kind of issue, and so there's no small debate. I tried to raise my voice last week. I'll raise it again this week. It's that kind of emotion going on, even in the language that's used. We'd better settle this. This is critical. Oh, and we'd better settle it so much so that we're going to have an official church council to settle it once and for all. So in the 21st century on Twitter, they'll, they won't be talking about it. Duh. It should be settled even in the 21st century. So we're not talking about it. So it's clear personally, but then they're going to make a church council over it. It should be settled, but we just can't get it in our thick skulls. But we should. Okay, now, before we move on, what's kind of fascinating to think of, well, here's where Pat has to edit on the fly. What to leave, what to say, what to do. How about this? It's not that they were just preaching Christ with bad motives. In Philippians chapter 1, when people preach Christ, the real Christ, salvation is by grace alone, through faith alone, on account of Christ alone, and they have bad motives, Paul's like, I I don't care. That's a secondary matter or a 
thirdary, tertiary matter. <laughs> but remember, in, that's in Philippians 1. But in Philippians 3, those who are corrupting the gospel, it's faith plus your faithfulness. He calls them evil workers. So there's a difference. There's a difference. What's happening here is it's not about motives. It's about the message. It's about, ultimately, is salvation entirely based upon his completed work or do we have to at least do our part? And it's heaven forbid. I would like to remind you of something really important in our day that relates to the first century. Those who are coming and saying, faith in Jesus, yes, they're not, they're not atheists. How about that? They're not Jesus deniers. How about this? They're also not social leftists. These guys are the conservatives who, who, who promote Judeo-Christian values. They would be, today we call them social conservatives. They believe in morality. And so of course they must be right and we should side with them. That's how we tend to think. That's not what's happening here. They're raising their voices. These guys are not on our team. We might stand for the same values, but we don't stand, stand for the same gospel. So let's take this to a higher court to settle this once and for all. And I hope today at Omaha Bible Church we can have that in our minds. This is what I'll call the Sola Fide Council. Well, it's the Jerusalem Council, but it's over the matter of justification being by grace alone, through faith alone. Let's go verse 3. So being sent on their way by the church, they passed through both Phoenicia and Samaria, describing in detail the conversion of the Gentiles and brought great joy to all the brothers. So yes, salvation is of the Lord and Jews and Gentiles are both being saved the same way. They get it. Verse 4 says, when they came to Jerusalem, they were welcomed by the church and the apostles and the elders and they declared all that God had done with them. 5 says, but some believers who belonged to the party of the Pharisees, conservative, rose up and said, it is necessary to circumcise them and to order them to keep the law of Moses. And we know, based upon verse 1, they're talking about not just necessary in general, but necessary to be what? To be saved. To be right with God. To, to gain eternal life. Context tells us that. I, reading between the lines, and this is, you know, errant. Only the Bible is inerrant. He refers to them as believers. I think it's because it's early on. I think because there's still dust particles up in the air in Jerusalem and the surrounding areas. It's going to become a bit more settled and he won't refer to them as believers. He'll actually call them spiritually unclean, Philippians chapter 3. I hope you're getting a sense for how serious this is. I hope you're getting a sense for how important this is. And now we're going to hear from Peter. We're going to hear from Paul and Barnabas ever so briefly. And then James, we did this last week, so I'm going to read as fast as I can possibly enunciate. And after there had been much debate, and there should be much debate, that's how big of a matter this is. Peter stood up and said, Brothers, you know that in the early days God made a choice among you that by my mouth the Gentiles should hear the word of the gospel and believe. There's our word for faith, trust. That's it. He has done it and we trust in him and that's how we gain what he has done for us. It's not that we should uh, hear the word of the gospel and do enough good until God accepts us. No. Verse 8 says, And God who knows the heart... 
bore witness to them by giving them the Holy Spirit just as he did to us. And he made no distinction between us and them, having cleansed their hearts, same way as he cleansed our hearts, same way he's ever only cleansed hearts, by faith, by trust, by resting in what another person has done. Verse 10 says, Now therefore, why are you putting God to the test? Why are you just asking for it? We know God has been clear about this, and now you're just you're just asking for God to strike you dead or something? This is crazy. It says, by placing a yoke, here's how you test God. Here's how you test God. By placing a yoke on the neck of the disciples that neither our fathers nor we have been able to bear. Whenever in the history of Israel, they shouldn't have done this, but whenever in the history of Israel, they thought they could be saved by their obedience. It's just a law of slavery and it simply can't be done. And if they couldn't do it, why are we now trying to do it with the Gentiles? And when you do that, you know what you're doing? You are just challenging God. Doesn't make sense. Salvation has always been of the Lord. Doesn't make any sense at all. We won't take the time to go there, but we could go to Acts 13, 39. You can't be freed by the law of Moses. Last time we looked at Genesis chapter 15, Abraham was justified not by works, but by faith in God's provision of righteousness. Let's keep going. Verse 11. But we believe that we shall, that we will be saved through the grace of the Lord Jesus just as they will. Jew and Gentile. It's the same way. It's always been the same way. It has to be this way. I like what Martin Luther said. Protestant reformer. True faith lays hold of Christ and leans on Him alone. Our opponents cannot understand this. In their blindness, they cast away the precious pearl Christ and hang on to their stubborn works. They have no idea what faith is. How can they teach faith to others? Implied answer is no. Faith doesn't mean faithfulness. Faithfulness is good. The problem is we're not faithful. And so we need a substitute who is faithful and we have faith in him. We rest in him. We trust in him. And then now for thousands of years, we eat and drink in remembrance of him, Jesus Christ, the righteous. Now Paul and Barnabas, verse 12, ever so quickly, and all the assembly fell silent, and they listened to Barnabas and Paul as they related what signs and wonders God had done through them among the Gentiles, only authenticating. They're just basically saying, we're saying the same thing, what Peter just said we couldn't agree more with. Then James comes up next, James, the half-brother of Jesus. After they finished speaking, James replied, Brothers, listen to me. Simeon has related how God first visited the Gentiles to take from them a people for his name. The the Gentiles are part of the people of God. And how do they become part of the people of God? Not by their faithfulness, but by faith. 15 says, and with this, with this Gentile inclusion counted as a people for his name, the words of the prophets agree just as it is written, Amos chapter 9, verses 11 to 12. After this, I will return and I will rebuild the tent of David that has fallen. I will rebuild its ruins and I will restore it that the remnant of mankind may seek the Lord and all the Gentiles who are called by my name See, it's even in the Old Testament. This isn't some sort of 
strange parenthetical. We didn't know this was going to happen. No, there it is. In Amos chapter 9, says the Lord who makes these things known from of old. Oh man, God is doing what he's doing and it's always been designed ultimately to be Jew and Gentile and that's what's happening before your very eyes. James, they might have thought was going to say, yeah, it's salvation by faith and works. Nope. He's saying the same thing. And then you know what? It's Jew and Gentile bringing fulfillment because of Christ fulfilling the Davidic covenant. I don't know about you, but I'm getting worn out already. Glad we don't have four services anymore. I'd have to temper this a little bit. Or have more coffee. More prayer. That's what I meant to say. Prayer and coffee. How about that? Let's, 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 here we go. Verse 19. Therefore, my judgment is that we should not trouble those of the Gentiles who turn to God. What an understatement. Let's not trouble them with the yoke of slavery in the context. How about verse 20 where we keep going on? But should write to them to abstain from the things polluted by idols and from sexual immorality and from what has been strangled and from blood. All of those things associated with First century, especially the town they're living in, pagan idol worship. Let, let's have them uh, be careful about doing these things that are associated with idol worship, especially in light of the high Jewish population in Antioch. I think that's the idea. Commentators tend to agree. 21 says, For from ancient generations, Moses has had in every city those who proclaim him, for he is read every Sabbath in, a, in the synagogues. Again, I don't want to take a lot of time on this, but commentators tend to agree that the Jewish believers who are in Antioch, high population because of persecution, and it's a pagan town. And so let's, you Gentiles, be extra sensitive to what Paul will later call weaker brothers. You might have great freedom, but you should be extra sensitive because you know what they've been hearing their whole life? Don't do blood, don't do blood, don't do blood, don't do blood, don't do blood. I think that's the idea. Okay, that's where we stopped last time. And if I didn't do a good enough job, sorry. You can go back and check it out. Maybe it was better last week. Maybe it's better this week. I don't know. Now we transition to do the other 20-some verses. Still talking about the same matter. I hope you're seeing how important it is that we say salvation is of the Lord, that it's not a secondary issue. It's not a tertiary issue. It's of first importance. 22 says, Then it seemed good to the apostles and to the elders with the whole church. So we have universal agreement. There's no doubt. They don't ever even need to talk about this in the 21st century. It's settled to choose men from among them and send them to Antioch with Paul and Barnabas. Let's make this as official as possible. There's no question. They sent Judas, called Barsabbas, and Silas, leading men from among the brothers, or excuse me, among the brothers, with the following letter. And they're essentially just going to put in print. So let's make sure. Let's send leaders who are respected, as many of them as we can. Let's also, just to be clear, so they don't ever even have to tweet about this later, Let's even put it in print. The brothers, both the apostles and the elders, to the brothers who are of the Gentiles in Antioch and Syria and Cilicia, greetings. Since we have heard that some persons have gone out from us, 
That's not good. And troubled you with words, unsettling your minds, although we gave them no instructions. It didn't come from us. It's not apostolic. It's not official. It has seemed good to us, having come to one accord. Unity, universality, on the same page. To choose men and send them to you with our beloved Barnabas and Paul. Men who have risked their lives for the name of our Lord Jesus Christ. See, they're faithful. We have therefore sent Judas and Silas, who themselves will tell you the same things by word of mouth. Just think official, 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 official. Let there be zero a question about this now and forevermore. Amen. 28 says, For it has seemed good to the Holy Spirit and to us to lay on you, how about this, no greater burden, there's that yoke of slavery talk, no greater burden than these requirements. Here's what, here's what we do want you to do in your sensitivity, that you abstain from what has been sacrificed to idols and from blood and from what ha- has been strangled and from sexual immorality. If you keep yourselves from these, you will do well. Farewell. Okay, there it is. Then 30 says, So when they were sent off, they went down to Antioch, and having gathered the congregation together, they delivered the letter. And when they had read it, they rejoiced because of its encouragement. Notice the contrast of that word encouragement there in verse 31 and burden in verse 28. They got the message. They got it. Oh. It sort of reminds us of the great encouraging words that our Lord Jesus spoke when He was here on earth. When He said, Come to Me, all of you who are heavy burdened, heavy laden. It's the same imagery. And I will give you encouragement. But it's actually, I will give you rest. shoulders down times a million spiritually. Salvation is of the Lord. There's nothing more encouraging than that. So much about your life, so much about my life because of our jobs, because of parenting, because of grandparenting, because of serving in the church, because of friendships and relationships and politics and all of these things. It's It's all based upon what you have to do. And if you don't do it, you don't get paid. And if you don't do it, I mean, the list goes on and on and on and on. Life is hard. It's not very filled with rest. Salvation is of the Lord. It's not free, but it's free to you. It wasn't free to Jesus. But it comes to you freely by His grace as a gift. It should be a settled matter. What good, no wonder we call good news. When Jesus says, come to me and I I will give you rest, I will give you, the idea is Sabbath. I will give you spiritual Sabbath where you don't do anything. And we might make fun of people who are Sabbatarians, strict Sabbatarians, and you go to, you go to the Middle East and you go to Jerusalem and, and on Saturday on Shabbat, the elevator stops at every single doggone floor. What's wrong with these people? Well, cause you know, pushing the buttons might be work. 
And so they just have it programmed or it's going to stop on every floor. I'm like, "Ah." let's stop and appreciate the reality of rest. When it comes to your eternal destiny and your salvation, not so much as button pushing. Do this in remembrance of me. He did all of the work. Nothing to be done. And I know some of you are thinking, yeah, but are we so supposed to obey? Yes. May the Lord bless you. That won't be what we're talking about today. Don't put that in the faith category. Don't put that in the salvation category. Don't put that in the justification category. Or you're on the opponent's side of things. Remember in Romans 6, Paul anticipates that if he's been clear about this, clear enough, people are going to say, does this mean we can live however we want to live? And he says, by no means. But you better get it clear in your head, not so much as a single button to be pushed. It's by faith. It's by resting in Christ. And it should be a settled matter. But it's not a settled matter. By now... I think literally it's true, not a week goes by lately in my life where a pastor or a seminary student is not reaching out to me saying something along the lines of, can you help me understand justification? Can you help me understand why it's not faithfulness, but it's faith? And I love those texts, emails, direct messages, and phone calls. Changing the world may be one pulpit at a time because I had to be changed. I hope you're equipped as a missionary in this world. You need to be. I need to be. So that we may know that only God should be glorified for salvation. Only God should be glorified for salvation. Paul will say later, Therefore, having been justified by not faithfulness, by faith, context is faith in Christ, we have what? We have peace with God. He's using verbiage that talks about the coming judgment. And he's, he's talking about the coming judgment in, in the here and now. Therefore, having been judged by God, justification, and declared righteous, we have peace with God. He's talking uh, in terms of the future, but you have it now. How could that possibly be? There's a really big hint right here. Salvation is of the Lord. Should be settled for us. That's why we boast in Christ, not in ourselves. Then verse 33 says, and after they had spent some time, they were sent off in peace by the brothers to those who had sent them. But Paul and Barnabas remained in Antioch, teaching and preaching the word of the Lord. That's the way Acts speaks of the gospel. They're still, they're still preaching this to those who are apparently even believers. Unbelievers would be welcome too, but they're still saying the same things with many others also. They, they want to make sure they understand. They want to make sure it's clear to people. Oh, I did like that, by the way. Uh, it says in verse 32 at the end, with many words. That's a proof text for long sermons. I'm going to go longer today because it's biblical. <laughs> or not. 36 says, And after some days, Paul said to Barnabas, Let us return and visit the brothers in every city where we proclaim the word of the Lord and see how they are. 
And I can't help myself but read it in our context. Let's see how they are in relationship to this big, important, super, massive, extraordinary matter. We, 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 better, we better make sure they're okay and they understand this. We, we so easily lose clarity about what the gospel even is. And, and in a sense, it's, it's like communion. If it could speak, it's saying, hello, why are you saying justification by faith plus works? Why are you saying justification by faithfulness? Why are you doing that? I'm over here. Do this in remembrance of me. Oh, that's right. That's right. Baptism too. We've got some baptisms coming up. And, and I hope that word picture speaks a thousand words to you. Salvation is of the Lord. People trusting in Christ saying, His death is my death. His resurrection is my resurrection. But notice it's His death. It's His resurrection. His life. It's all Him. It's all Him. Yes, indeed. The fruit of the Spirit would be positive things. Positive things that you should do. But not to gain your salvation, but because Christ has gained it for you. Don't confuse the categories or we're part of a different religion. And Galatians 1 doesn't speak highly to that. Okay, now... Early church, this is exciting. I love Jerusalem Council. I love Acts 15. This is fantastic. It's clear. It's bold. It should settle the issues for us. It's wonderful. Go home and read Galatians because it's the complement to this. And so I, I, I want to say, oh, isn't it good that everything was right in the early church? Well, the Bible's honest and not everything is right in the early church. So let's keep reading about a secondary issue or a tertiary issue. 37 says, Now Barnabas wanted to take with them John called Mark. We've learned about him earlier. But Paul thought it best not to take with them one who had withdrawn from them in Pamphylia and had not gone with them to the work. We don't know all the details, but you know, too much risk involved. Um, don't want to be away from home so long. Wh- wh- whatever was going on with John Mark, John Mark said, I'm out. I- I'm not, I'm not going to go with you guys anymore. Paul says, therefore, we're not taking him. Barnabas says, we should. 39 says, and there arose a sharp disagreement. So I I love to put my finger there and just remember, okay, total, absolute, ironclad, we will die on this wall, unity over salvation is of the Lord. And we can't settle anything until we've settled that. Here's a different kind of conflict. You think it's an important conflict? Yeah. Does God want unity between fellow believers? Yep. But it's not a gospel issue. Sharp disagreement so that they separated from each other. Barnabas took Mark with him and sailed away to Cyprus, but Paul chose Silas and departed, having been commended by the brothers to the grace of the Lord, and he went through Syria and Cilicia, strengthening the churches. 
So I don't think we should make light of this, but let's acknowledge that it happened. Who's at fault? Well, let me just settle that debate. No, no. They had to agree to disagree, but you can't agree to disagree about the gospel because there's only one actual gospel. So thankfully, they were together on that one. How about this? Thankfully, in God's providence, you know what? We're not going to get this issue settled. So you take the gospel there and I'll take the gospel here and the gospel work will go out. And that's a great testimony of how God's providence works. But let's make sure that we understand because right now we're hearing that the gospel is a secondary issue. No, it's not a secondary issue. It's of first importance. And if we don't have that right, we don't have anything right. But these other issues that we hope get solved over time, aren't as important, even if they are important. But gospel progress is continuing. It does seem that there's later mending. I won't take the time to go through all of the details with you. Lots of you have study Bibles. You can see the cross-references. But I will read 2 Timothy chapter 4, verse 11, when Paul says, Luke alone is with me. Get Mark and bring him with you, for he is very useful to me for ministry. Don't you like that? Like, I don't know what happened. I think, I think Barnabas came around. No, I don't know. Maybe Paul came around. They're both sinful. Neither one of them are saviors. Only Jesus is a savior. They're not glorified. So somehow, maybe John Mark proved himself by being faithful. Not for his justification, but in Christian witness and ministry. But it is good to see that there was some resolution that took place. It's good. It's positive. It's very good. Very positive. Is salvation by grace alone, through faith alone, in the finished work of Christ alone, for the glory of God alone, or is it by your faith and your devotion, emotion, faithfulness, law-keeping, etc. It's all of the Lord. And we only boast in Him. We are going to celebrate the Lord's Supper. It's for those of you who profess to be believers in Christ. So you are in effect saying, I'm doing this in remembrance of Jesus who is my Savior, who lived a perfect life for me, who died a sinner's death for me, though He never sinned. He was actually perfect throughout the whole thing. And he was raised from the dead on my behalf. He is my savior and it is in him that I'm finding my rest. Salvation is of the Lord. If you don't believe that, then it wouldn't make any sense for you to eat and drink in remembrance of him. I'm glad you're here, but it wouldn't make any sense. This is for those of you who are affirming, believing salvation is 100% based upon the work of another who's named Jesus. Isn't it good to have confidence? Isn't it good to know that while I have a lot of things I want to change about my life, and I do want to be more faithful, and I want to be a better friend and a better husband and a better neighbor and a better pastor, it's so good to know, spiritually speaking, just put my shoulders down and, Take a deep breath. Salvation is of the Lord. 
And even if I change a lot in the next year or the next decade, or I don't change at all, I want to change. Therefore, having been justified by faith in Christ, I have peace with God. Let's do it one more way. So I think off the top of my head, I've been a Christian for 30-some years. I know people who've been a Christian for less than three years. Just choosing threes. Who's more acceptable by God? It's a draw. How about the person who's been a Christian for three minutes? It's a draw. Right? Equal footing at the foot of the cross because... It's never, ever, 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 ever been based upon me. And it's always based upon Him. Pretty, pretty unsettling in one sense. And pretty awesome and good and amazing in another sense. Father, thank you so much for this morning. Thank you for what, oh, just thinking about Psalm 60 where everything seems so confusing. Thank you for what you're doing in the world. Even even now where it seems like things are so confusing, even about this matter. We know that you're going to use it. We know you're going to use the conflicts. We know you're going to use it all ultimately for the honor of Christ. Please use us in the process. Help us to be faithful because of salvation in Christ. Not in order to try to gain it. Thank you that we are able to find rest and motivation out of the rest. Thank you for the good news of salvation in the Lord Jesus Christ. Grant many, many repentance. Grant many saving faith. Help us to be clear for our own soul's sake and for the sake of others. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.